Welcome to Out of Game Episode 10. In today's episode, we introduce a new contest, take a ride in the board game food truck, and discuss epic wins, fires, and why we like games. This is your host, Ryan. Join me and Chris as we go out of game. Welcome to episode 10 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. And this is Chris. Welcome to the show. So, Ryan, what you been up to? I actually want to talk about something that, that came out a while ago, which was the Golden Geek Awards. I think we've mentioned this before. But what I didn't mention, or maybe I did, I don't remember, the best board game podcast is, is one of the awards. And what's interesting about this award is once you've won the award, you're not eligible to win it anymore Mm -hmm. i don't now i've heard differing stories i for this for my theory to work which i'm about to talk about i i believe that you're never you're ineligible forever but that i could be wrong about that so it occurred to me that if we do the podcast long enough we might have a chance at winning this like when we're like 90 best board game podcast because everyone else will be eliminated well, a lot of podcasts start up, too. So some of them drop out, some are eliminated, but then there's new startup ones. That's true. So we have to stay ahead of the curve there. Or we have to eliminate them ourselves. We could do that. How could we do that? Well, we'd have to talk about, are we going to use strategy or tactics, first of all? Interesting. So strategically, what are some strategic ways that we could eliminate new competition? Strategically, that you're talking about a long-term goal. So now you're getting into uh, trying to figure out what the weaknesses of the podcast are and right. exploiting them, right. or else taking the strengths that we have and pitting our strengths against them in, in a way that's advantageous. So it's like anti-marketing for them. Anti-marketing, good word. So there's, there's, a, there's two new podcasts on the scene. One of them is by Rich Summer, who's like an actual celebrity that plays board games. So how do we how do we take him down? Oh, I I don't know if we do that. Really, I mean, an actual celebrity? How do we compete with that? I think we can we can somehow we have to defame him somehow. We have to find a bigger celebrity and bring them onto our podcast, like Will Wheaton. Oh, there you go. Score. How could we do that? How could we do that? <laughs> well, he tends to show up at Gen Con. Maybe we find him. And it's true. Should we just like throw him in the car? <laughs> Well, we could throw him in the car and force him to listen to the podcast until he, he says that he likes it and he'll join. Maybe we could do that. I think he's friends with Rich Summer, though. Is he? So that might be a problem. Mm, that's a problem. We have to find somebody bigger than Will Wheaton. Or we have to blackmail Will Wheaton. Well, who's bigger? Who, who, who's a bigger... Um, we get William Shatner. Shatner. Yeah, you've got a connection with Shatner. Yeah, we'll get Shatner to, to be a guest speaker on our podcast. I think you'd have to be like a co-host. Oh, yeah. If he would be willing to do that. Yeah. Sure. And actually, he could probably get like Priceline to advertise for us, too. I like it. And then you have, uh, uh, what's her name from Big Bang Theory, does Priceline, too. So there's a connection back to Will Wheaton. Yeah. So then we get Will Wheaton in through the Priceline connection. And we could use Priceline to get cheaper hotel rooms at Gen Con. There you go. I think we just solved a lot of problems. Yeah. So we're going to eliminate the competition in hopes of winning the Golden Geek Award for Best Board Game Podcast. I think we can do it. We might deserve the Golden Geek or just for that segment. Yeah? How to eliminate your competition? <laughs> yeah, it's a very gamery topic. We're, we're going to game the system. Yeah. Another thought that I had was that there are some Grail games that I have. You know what a Grail game is? Grail game meaning uh, like you have it on a pedestal and you, it, 
you are searching for it, like yes. the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yes, it's like the Holy Grail of games, and why? Because it's a game that I, it's unobtainable, but I want to have it. I, I should I should take that back. It's attainable, but for too much a price I'm not willing to pay. Okay, that's def, that's really the definition of a Grail game. So I have two, and they're not really like like what you would normally consider a Grail game, but the two games are El Grande, which is the big one, the big one that I've always wanted. And a game called Mission Red Planet. These are two games that, ever since I got into gaming, they've always sounded interesting to me. Like, really fun. Like, really fun games, but they're both out of print. So I've been unable to get them. And it's been frustrating. If I wanted to spend over $100, I could get one. But I'm just not willing to do that. Well, both of these games are being reprinted this year. Both of my Grail games. So, in one of them, Mission Red Planet is being reprinted by... Fantasy Flight. And it looks awesome. The artwork looks amazing. It's like a better version than the original one. Hmm. And it's designed by what I've defined as your favorite designer, Bruno Cathala. So I think you might like this game. It's 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 a game about Mars, which it just looking at the board reminds me of Alien Frontiers, only it's like Mars. Hmm. So I think it would go great next to Alien Frontiers on my shelf <laughs> for the aesthetics when I'm looking at it. So... Mission Red Planet. Now, El Grande, on the other hand, this is, a, this is like the king of all area control games. It was like the first popular area control game, maybe the first area control game that came out. And it's still the best. So define for the listeners area control games. Area control games is where it's, well, it's just what it is. It, there's, there's sections of the map, like countries in some cases, that you're trying to take over by having the most pawns there. By the end of the game, you know the ones that you control are during the different scoring phases. If you have the most there, then you get more points than the other people there. Like in El Grande, whoever has the most there during the scoring phases, there's like three scoring phases, they'll get like six points, and then whoever has the second most might get like four points, and whoever has third most might get a point. Okay. So you're trying to control different areas, but of course you have limited resources and limited guys you can put around, and there's... There's cards that come out every uh, round that they let you do some special action with the pieces. It, it's just a great... I, I've only been able to play this game on in the online implementation on yukita.de or whatever. Um, but it, it's just one of those games I've always wanted, and it's going to be reprinted this year. Can't wait to get it. So two... You know, it's going to break my uh, New Year's resolution, I think. It's going to be a problem because it's going to increase my number, but I can't help it. I've got to buy them when they come out. And I'm guessing they're both coming out in, at Gen Con. I'm sure they are. Yeah. But I'm excited. Two Grail ga- I'm going to need a new Grail game after this year. Maybe the listeners can help me find a new one. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to be attending the Origins Game Fair. I wasn't sure if I was going mm. to be, but I am. Uh, my wife Esther is going to go with me. And I'm a member of the press. Got nice. a press. Uh, going to have a little press ribbon. Get to go to the press events, which I think will be fun. Don't forget the business cards. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, um, you know, try to find us if you're there. We'll we'll probably be around the boardroom, or if we're lucky, cross my fingers, maybe we'll be in the Dice Terrier area if there's a, a slim chance we can get in in time. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't even know if we're ever going to get on for real, but if we did, maybe there's a chance it could be by Origins, a slim chance, depending on how quickly uh, they would accept us. Uh, so if you're going to Origins, let me know. You know, hit me up on the uh, Board Game Geek or through Twitter, 
and maybe we can uh, set up time to play a game together. That would be cool. That's what's going on with me. How about you? So last episode, I mentioned The Angriest Angel, my book that's out, a novel. The first of three, what will be a trilogy, and the book is doing really well. It's very successful. It's on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. And so what I'd like to do is give away a free signed copy as part of a out-of-game podcast contest. Awesome. So one lucky winner will receive the paperback version of Angriest Angel. And luckily, the timing is perfect because book two, The Emancipation Pattern, will be out probably in about a month. So awesome. So it's perfect timing. Very cool. And uh, so we'll send this off just like we did for the last contest. Uh, we'll get the listeners to... You, well, I'll let you describe the contest, but to learn more about the book, I don't want to take up too much time in the podcast talking about the book itself. Uh, go to angriestangel.com. You can see a synopsis of the, the plot and learn a little bit about how it came from its inception to where it is now, and it's kind of interesting. So love to give a copy to one of our listeners. Great. So first of all, thanks for doing that. That's, that's cool that, you're, that you'll be giving away a book. Uh, and for what it's worth, I think I mentioned this before, but... Uh, Chris, my experience with him was as a DM and a storyteller, uh, best DM I've ever had. So thank you. Very good author as well. And I would highly recommend reading his book, even if you don't win the contest. Uh, but the contest, so to enter it is, it's going to be a little bit similar to last time, but there's a difference. The difference is we're, well, probably me. I, I doubt Chris really cares, but I'm bothered by the fact that we don't have names for some of our segments that we regularly do so in particular the intro sometimes we call it the beginning i'll say something stupid like anything else for the beginning which just sounds dumb yeah i want to have a name for the beginning so to give you some examples of other podcasts like the secret cabal like at the beginning of their contest they they their contest beginning of their podcast they have something they call the banter where they just talk about anything they want uh, the Game On podcast, which was, it's a retired podcast now, but they called it The Rundown. Yeah, right? we need a name like that. Those, yeah. are, those are good names. Yeah, and I don't want to copy their names, obviously, right. so we, we need our own name. Right. And, you know, I could come up with one, but I thought it would be fun if our listeners submitted names, and then if we like them, we could use them. We're not obligated to use one, but if we like it... And, I'm guessing we have some creative listeners out there that one of them will probably like. Right, and just by submitting an idea, you're automatically entered. Right. You don't you don't need to win the entry in order to win the contest. The contest will be a random draw. Yeah, and and to join, all, all you have to do to submit is, uh, well, l- let me finish the definition, but you're going to be sending us an email, which is very easy. Uh, the, the So the intro is the first segment, and then the other is the discussion topic, which is our main thing. You know, our podcast is all about our discussion topics, but I don't want to call it the discussion topic. I just think that's a stupid name. Right. So again, um, back to other podcasts, uh, Game On, and other, the one I just mentioned, they, they called their discussion topic the big deal, which I thought was a, a, like a clever name, mm-hmm. like tonight's big deal, and it could just be anything. So like something, we just want a name to call that segment since we do it every episode. So either send an intro name or, or uh, for the discussion topic. Or send us a question. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't feel like you can come up with a good name or whatever, uh, send us a question because we always want questions. It's a question you want us to answer on the show. Any question you want. I mean, obviously it'd be good if it was gaming related, but it doesn't have to. It be. doesn't have to be. 
don't feel like it has to be. We've got some questions coming up that are not gaming related. Right. Um, but we're still going to answer them because they're fun questions. Yep. So either so just to re, just to rehash this, uh, send us an email at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com and either give us a name for our intro segment or our discussion topic segment or just ask us a question you'd like us to answer on the show. That's it. And one random winner will get a signed copy of The Angriest Angel by one Christopher Halt. Yes. And again, for more info, go to angriestangel.com. You can read all about the book. All right. Good luck, everyone, in the contest. And speaking of listener questions, it's time to move on to a question. So this question comes from our beloved Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. How's it going, Bonnie? Bonnie actually had two questions. I'm going to read one of them now. Okay. Question one. What has been your most (laughs) winningest game win? Epic win or just most satisfying for whatever reason? Parentheses. I love winning when someone boasts how great they are at a game and you crush them. Capital letters. LOL. In parentheses. And yes, it can be a win at air quotes lifeboats. So... Chris, what was your most winningest game win? So this question, it's it's kind of baiting us into bragging a little bit. Right, because that's kind of what, what they're asking, epic wins and classic moments and things like that. For me, it's got to be the Gen Con, back when it was, um, this was years ago, I think it was when it was still in Wisconsin, the epic Magic the Gathering sealed deck tournament that lasted all day. All day it lasted. It was insane. And there were hundreds of people, and everybody was very uh, kind of sour. You know, they were there to, to get points or to win. They weren't there to, to necessarily have fun. I mean, some people were, but it, these were serious people. You know, the, the guys I went with, we were, we, we were very amateurish. I mean, we just played uh, these card games on our own. Small groups, and we never entered tournaments before, but we thought it would be fun to try. This is the Urza Saga tournament. I even remember that. <laughs> it lasted all day. Everyone's building decks, and they had to get everything officially entered in. So you had to kind of tick off what cards you opened up. In the sealed deck tournament, you're given, I can't remember how many packs, maybe uh, five, five, or, five six. or six booster packs. Yeah. You open them up and build the deck. But the de- the cards you open up, you don't use. You had to log all of them, and randomly pass them. They get randomly generated to another person. Oh. It prevents cheating that way. Interesting. Because you, you don't like put a card in your sleeve, and then all of a sudden it's in your deck. It, it, this um, made that impossible to do. Okay. But it made it last a long time, too. Anyway, long story short, I ended up winning that, that uh, tournament. You won the whole tournament? Yeah, I, I won like two uh, boxes of boosters. There was no money or anything, but I got a lot of points for my DCI. And wow. it was it was a it was a big deal. The, the the best part though, and this goes to Bonnie's point about uh, when somebody's boasting at their game and you can crush them. <laughs> I was kind of nobody coming into this, and a lot of the decks that were built were by the experts that were kind of laid out on the internet. So based on the saga, uh, there was a saga expansion set. What colors you want to go by, and then there's different themes and different kind of styles and they were all canned so if you can get these cards build this and they all had these clever names i never even when i was playing with my friends i wouldn't do that it's just more fun for me to build a deck of my own making and just i'm kind of a non-conformist 
in general. So no. I built a weird deck. <laughs> you, you, you agree with that? <laughs> it was kind of a cellular strategy where it wasn't relying on a combo. It was like all the cards were independently good. And so no matter what pocket, how they were shoveled or what I got into, there was nothing great, but it was all solid good. And then I had one home run hitting card in there. It was a rare artifact. And I just like swept through. It was it was a lot of fun. And Tim uh, and our other friend of ours, Greg, was there, and they were like bringing me like food and everything because I couldn't leave. And it was kind of a Cinderella night for me, wow. just coming from nowhere to winning that thing. So that Bonnie, that that's my answer. And there there was a, like a runner up entry that I was gonna say. There was a the W word. It was a werewolf game at Gen Con. <laughs> There's the one with Gary Oldman. This guy who looked just like Gary Oldman was in the game. And he was the—he ended up being the werewolf, and it came down to me and and him and and somebody else, and I I wasn't sure if it was him or the, this other girl that was playing, and we ended up winning. So I won't go into detail there. But nice. That, that that almost made the cut. So you know what my most epic win at Magic was? What's that? It was the time that I won a game. That was won epic for me. Yeah. At Chen Con. Well, just in general. <laughs> I Ryan won a game had, one time. He's had hard luck with, with winning Magic games. <laughs> I don't think it's luck. I think it's skill and my lack thereof. Um, so I thought about this for a while, and the most epic game win, I'm kind of cheating a little bit here, is actually in a video game. So I feel kind of bad that I'm not answering this about a board game, but this it's something that has always stuck with me, this win that I had. It was in the game Age of Empires 2, which is a Civilization uh, RTS game. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, this is back actually when I was just started at... It, I was an intern at Zurich. I, mm-hmm. Chris and I used to work together at Zurich. We're, we're recording right now. And uh, we would play Age of Empires 2 online. It was like my first time ever playing online video games with someone. And there was this way that you could win the game, which was you build a wonder, which takes a really long time to do. And then it has to remain in your town for, I think it was like five or 10 real-time minutes. So the game would, would notify you if someone else uh, built a wonder. It would say, oh, the wonder, and then you, the wonder has been built, and it would show you, it would start ticking down time. And if you didn't destroy that wonder in that amount of time, you would lose. So I was in this head-to-head game um, with this, this girl that was another intern at, at, uh, at Zurich with me. And I saw, and it also tells you when they start building a wonder. So she built, she started building a wonder. I was like, oh crap! So I started building one, and and you could see like how close they were to completing. And hers finished two seconds before mine. So her timer starts and my timer starts, and they're both ticking down from ten minutes. And I'm like, crap! I've got to destroy that wonder. And she had armies way bigger than mine. She was she was destroying me in this game, but she was going for this wonder victory because she knew that I couldn't do anything about it. Well, so I, I built a, an army of like two guys in this giant thing called a trebuchet, which were these overpowered... Um, like a big catapult. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're completely overpowered. And what I did is I snuck around the map. I, I built one like boat, like a transport boat that could go through water. <laughs> and I snuck around like this weird back way with this little group of guys with this trebuchet and got like... Um, some distance from her wonder and started just hammering it with this trebuchet. And the time is at this point, it's at like 30 seconds. 
and this trebuchet's hitting and and she's trying to she it's like i mean i don't i can't see her but i imagine she's like oh she doesn't know where it's coming from because i did this weird like sneak attack and her, and i could see the damage going the damage bar going down and down the time was ticking down and my timer's there two seconds later right right so i'm hitting hitting hit her i destroyed her wonder with one second wow. left, and it was demolished and then Two seconds passed, and my wonder, my so wonder she had victory no chance kicked of destroying in. yours because she was trying to defend. Yeah, hers. and that's what made it so tense. It was like this. I was just staring at the screen. I remember when I won, I like I jumped up and screamed. I was so excited, <laughs> like in my in my little condo, you know, that I was renting as an intern. Uh, it was like the most epic one I've ever had in in any game. That's I, a I'll great never story. forget it. And it was just so funny the way it happened. Like it almost sounds like a real life like battle, like that would be in a right. history book. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the little sneak attack did it for me. Good so that—that's my answer, I, and it makes me to this day still love that game, even though it's like now the graphics are so bad. Yeah, uh, I just love that game just because of that. What happened? So Bonnie has the second question. Go Bonnie. So question number two: Your house is on fire. Your family and pets are safe. In your mad dash out to safety, you see your game shelf right there. And can grab just one to save. What makes it out with you? Right. I'm going to answer this question for Ryan. Okay. He sits there paralyzed, <laughs> staring at his game shelf, <laughs> unable to figure out what to do. The room is filling with smoke. The heat is starting to compress on him from all sides. And he screams like, oh, I can't decide what game to pick. He's looking at his shelf and he decides it's probably better just to go down. With the games. Oh, he doesn't want to lose the games like a captain going down with the ship. Oh, man. He elects not to leave. Wow. Wow. <laughs> for for me, though, so I'll let you go ahead and give your No, no, I want to hear okay. I want to hear So I, I was, my answer was resistance. Oh. And the reason, the reason is simple. It's small. It's a small game. You can grab it with one hand on the way out. The box, at least the box I have is red, so it's easy to see in an emergency situation. You grab it, you you exit your house, and the game is simple enough. You can get a game going with the firemen outside. So they're like in between, like putting the fire out. You can actually start a game of resistance. <laughs> so, so that, it's the obvious choice. Oh my gosh, your answer is so much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want, you could you could borrow my the answer I used for you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, where's Stan with the with the ladder truck? He's playing some game over there. And what's funny about it is you're probably like arguing with him. Yeah, probably <laughs> getting not, into it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, hey, uh, I know you're putting out a fire, but you wanna play a quick game? Get a game in. It only takes fifteen minutes. <laughs> The house might be toast, but I saved this game. <laughs> it's really important to me because I was able to grab it with one hand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh Bonnie, this, this is a great question. <laughs> got to tell you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what is your answer? What game? You're, you're staring at your shelf. <laughs> Literally millions of games are before you. So the good news is... My sh- my shelf is in the basement, so I would have a, g- a few good minutes to be paralyzed. Um, but there's something you forgot 
in your analysis, which was how much I enjoy buying games. And what you don't realize is if all my games were destroyed, my magic number would be zero. So then what you would do, here's what you would do. I'm changing my answer a little. You would get your, your phone. You would take a panoramic picture of everything because when you replace these games, you have to put them in the same order in which they burn down. That's true. The OCD, right? So your last moment would be to capture, scan up and down all along your shelves. It would probably take maybe three or four minutes to scan all the games you have. And then so that you could have that memorized so that when you rebuilt your shelves later, you could put them in the same order. <laughs> I'm just picturing you playing Resistance with a fireman while he's trying to put out a fire. I can't get oh, out yeah. of my head. So, so I actually have a real answer for this. And it, it's such a, it seems so weird to say it now and I can't stop laughing. But um, <laughs> my answer sucks. So I would grab the game <laughs> Agricola. And the the reason I would grab Agricola is because it was basically the first real hobby game that I played that made me addicted to board games. <laughs> so it's all for sentimental reasons. It wouldn't be anything related to like how valuable they were. It would really be whatever at the value. most sentimental value. And and a lot of my games don't really have sentimental value, but if any of them did, it's probably Agricola. Yeah, and the other problem that you'd have at your house is once the fire reached that room. All that cardboard would go up like ten. Oh my gosh! Would, yeah, it'd be like thing. an explosion. Yeah, it would. Good question, Bonnie. Thank Thanks, you. Bonnie. All right, time to move on to some board game food truck. The food truck. So one night ultimate bro. I compare that to eating one potato chip, a sole potato chip by itself. Robo rally. I would compare to lamb with meat jelly. Witch hunt is like a seven course meal by Wolfgang. Cyclades, I would compare that to an open-faced turkey sandwich with rich gravy and fresh, thick bread. All right. So if you recall, uh, we've done this segment in the past. This is where I give Chris three games, and he tells me what food item represents those games. Yeah, and just a little background on how this started. I made a comment. It was one of our early podcasts that... um, the king of Tokyo was like a ham sandwich. Yeah, and just because the nature of the game, it's very, it's a very simple game. You can get a game in quickly. It's not going to be an epic game that you're going to remember forever. But at the same time, it's probably likely to be fun. So it's somewhere just average, like a ham sandwich. And from there, it spawned this whole thing where we were comparing games to food. We called it the board game food. We mean Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I've never. I, I'm not creative enough to do this. This is all Chris. Well, but you know the, you know the games, so... Yeah. I don't know the games. Well, you know the games that you're doing, though. Right. I know the games that I'm doing. All right. So are you ready? So, yes, I'm ready. What is the first game we'll be bringing to the food truck? All right. The first item on the board game food truck is the, the food item Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter. That is the game with the zombie apocalypse. Yes, it is. It's a great game, by the way. It's it is. a lot of fun. It is. So for anybody who knows Dead of Winter, it's got a couple uh, new elements that a lot of the other games similar to it don't have, like the Crossroads card and like the, the Secret Goal and things like that. So I would compare Dead of Winter to, it's like a $15 hamburger. Okay. So you know you're overpaying it for it. I mean, this game has been sold out for a long time, and yeah. people were paying ridiculous money for it. 
The $15 hamburger is always going to taste good because the, the chefs are going to pay special attention to it. But even though you know you're overpaying, you've heard about the secret sauce of this hamburger and that it is worth the money if you have time to sit down and enjoy it. It's, you know it's going to be made to perfection. A lot of time and energy have gone into perfecting the recipe. Okay. The trial and error that they must have had for this game is insane yeah, because yeah. the game is very balanced. Yeah. So it's the, the recipe's been perfected. You know you're in for a good experience, and you've heard that fellow gamers, customers, they rave about this burger. Yeah. You haven't heard any bad reviews. All you've heard is are really good reviews. So it's a little bit like the $15 hamburger. Now, the Crossroads card is a little bit, that's the secret sauce. Okay. That's what's unique about this hamburger. Because when you first taste the sauce, you're thinking, I don't know, it doesn't seem all that interesting. But as the game goes on and the meal starts to feel a little boring, yeah, I've had hamburger before. That Crossroads card pulls you back into the game. Yeah. It's not your turn, but you get pulled back in. It adds color and dimension to the game that, what, that isn't there normally when in a game where it's not your turn. Even the gourmet burgers cooked to perfection have unique character when they're cooked and served, and that's your secret goal. Okay. Everyone knows that you have it. Everyone knows that they have their own, and you're all happy because you learn to like the special characteristics of your own burger. Okay. Dead of winter, $15 hamburger. Got it. Where would you buy it? Where do you buy $15 hamburgers? Well, the 15, these, these are sold out, apparently. Okay, they're yeah. hard to find? They're hard to find. So, you know, the, the restaurants would be the, I don't know, four or five star gourmet restaurants. Is that including somewhere. tax or before tax? That's before tax. What about the tip? Before tip. Okay. I actually had close to $15 hamburger at, uh, in, uh, Gen, at Gen Con at the um, Weber, the Weber Grill, I think mm-hmm. it was called. Yeah, it's expensive. expensive. But it was it's good. good. Yeah. Just like dead of winter. Expensive, yeah. but good. The fact that I can even remember that means that it was good. Yep. All right. Game two of three. on the Game f- two coming into the food truck. In the food truck. Serving up some seven wonders. Seven wonders. We talked about this earlier. So seven wonders, a great game. Could play with a lot of people, and uh, it's fast. So, Seven Wonders is a little bit like chips and salsa, but with a variety of salsa types. So, you're hot and spicy. That's like the gutsy move, just like going for the science cards. Okay. If you go for the science cards, and this is something Sarah would do oftentimes in our group, she would go for science. You're either going to win, or you're not even going to come close to winning. Yeah. That's the hot and spicy. Otherwise, you can play cards like the Vineyard, which is like mild sauce. It's just collecting gold and playing it safe. Now, the medium salsa is always the most underrated salsa, just like the military cards in Seven Wonders, because people don't tend to go for those. So the trick there is to sneak in under the radar in the last round or two, depending on which way the Seven Wonders draft is going counterclockwise or clockwise, and try to trump the players to your right and left the second to last turn or last turn with those military cards. Let everyone else have the mild and hot sauce. I want the medium sauce. Okay. That's what you're saying. Okay. Seven Wonders is a great game because it's quick, just like munching on chips. You can serve large groups of people without breaking the bank, and there's flavor for everyone. Nice. So, and it's like a, it's like a salsa variety tray. Salsa variety tray with plenty to go around. A sampler. It's a, it's a sampler, but there's a lot chips there. Chips and salsa sampler. Yeah bottomless bottomless <laughs> all right all right and then the final game for tonight's menu is cosmic encounter cosmic encounter that's the 
that's the game that's somewhat cutthroat, but um, when you're attacking somebody in that game, it's kind of determined by the cards. Yep. So Cosmic Encounter is a little bit like a it's it's like a, having a date with a girl and you you bring her to a restaurant, but you let her pick the apps and the entree and you share all of them. Okay. <laughs> she can't blame you in case it's bad, which is how attacking works with the random cards telling you who to invade. So there's no blame. Okay. There's no hard feelings at all. The game, the game can get cutthroat. That's the one problem because you can ask for allies against an invasion. Right. So if somebody has the most victory points, then you can kind of get alliances from people to help against them. It's like if your date is hogging all the scallops, and you can counter that by doubling down on the lobster bisque. Yeah. But overall, when the game is done, just like the meal, you may have won or lost, but there's nobody to blame. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's Cosmic Encounter. Cosmic Encounter. So that was more of like an experience than a food item. It was, although I did throw a couple food items in there, scallops and lobster bisque. That's true. Interesting. I like it. I would probably order from that menu. I would too. And of these three games, Cosmic Encounter has the... I don't want to say it says the best chance of being fun, because I think all three of these games are fun, but Cosmic Encounter has never let me down, that game. I've always enjoyed that. You know, altogether, these would be a good meal. So you, you, you go, you get the Cosmic Encounter experience, and your date orders as an appetizer the Seven Wonders, which you have as an appetizer, and then you follow it up with the Dead of Winter $15 For burger. the entree. Yeah. Right. Sounds yeah. like a good night. It's not bad. We should set that up. Not me and you. I mean, like... A food truck that Maybe has we could that. have the food truck <laughs> game night where we host these three games only. Yeah. All right. I like it. So that was a board game food truck. Food truck. And it's time to move on to our discussion topic. Hopefully, this is the last time we have to call it this, which is why we like games. So, this might sound like a generic topic. Why do we like games? But I've put a lot of thought into this. What have you come up with? And I wanted to discuss it on the show. Because there was a time where I didn't know I was going to have a podcast, and I just wanted to write this random stuff down for people who may or may not read it. Because I spent so much time thinking about it that I just wanted to get it out there, even if no one would read it. It was more like a, it was like I was having like an introspection. Is that a word? introspective i was being introspective and i was like why do i like games like why do i really like them what is it about gaming that makes me enjoy it so much and so i came up with some things and i thought it'd be a good topic on the show once i once i knew we had a podcast i kind of put it in the backlog and i thought episode 10 you know it's a momentous episode for us i thought we should talk about it now okay why do we like games so much do we like games so chris i do want to hear your thoughts okay what, what, what is one reason that you like games? I like the combination of competition and strategy, just with goofing off with friends. You know, it just gives you something to do together. I mean, a lot of times, you know, <clears throat> if you're visiting, you're having people over, you know, what, what reasons do you have to invite people over? Yeah. Typically, you need a reason for it. So a lot of times your friends kind of, hang out on the periphery and you don't really get together with them very often. The game nights, it's a chance for everybody to get together. I mean, half the guys in our group I wouldn't see if we didn't have game nights. So right. that's one of the reasons I enjoy it. I, 
I think that it gives it gives friends it gives you something to talk about too. It's not like visiting somebody like over tea right. where you're gossiping about your neighbor or something. Instead, it's like, you know, how, how did you hide the fact that you're a spy so easily? Yeah. You know, so it, it's more engaging conversation. Yeah. Uh, the gaming allows that sort of dynamic with your friends, which I like. Yeah, I agree. Like the it it gives you you know, there's those times where if you do get together with someone and there's no like there's no objective for the evening. Right. Like the objective might be dinner, which is fine, but there's always that point when you're together and you kind of run out of stuff to talk about. Right. And that's a perfect time to break out a game mm-hmm. because what it does is it re-engages you with those people. It does. And it'll, it, like Chris said, it, it generates new conversation because now the focus is on this game. You've kind of talked out, you've caught up on things and now the focus could be on this game and you can talk about the game and that maybe that leads to just talking about the hobby of gaming or other, you know, other uh, topics that you may not have thought of before. So I like that. Like, I agree. 100%. Yeah. So the first uh, the first reason that I like games is the child in me. The child in me and I and I don't think this is just me. This may be more I think this is probably more of an attribute of men than women, but I, but probably is women too, but I never really got over my love of toys. I don't think any of us do. See, I guess I can't speak for a woman because I'm not a woman. But I just feel like this tends to be more with men, thing. a guy thing, yeah. I could be wrong. I, I know I'm, in most cases, maybe I'm usually wrong about things. But no, that, I think there's a lot of truth to it. So, you know, you grow up, you have toys that you play with, and then you outgrow them, quote-unquote, meaning someone told you that that shouldn't be fun for you anymore. <laughs> so you stop doing it. Right. But, you know, a lot of guys will get like a fancy car, like a race car or fast car, and that's mm-hmm. like their new toy. Or their golf clubs might be their, their toy. Right. Um, or their bowling ball. Or whatever they're into. is. If you look at the hobbies that guys have, most of them are could be considered toys. And, what I'm, and I'm not talking about the game itself as being a toy, but in the designer board game industry, the components of games are like little toys. So the better the components are in a game... The, the the more toy factor it has it's like because the game is it's a strategic game it's not like a childish game quote unquote it's a strategic game so you're getting away with playing with toys without being looked down on for it right right so like games that have you know really nice miniatures or just even just like the nice wood components i, I just love the tactile feel of those things because it reminds me of playing with toys as a mm-hmm. kid and and uh, the components of in games that's what's great about modern board games because old games like you know that we played growing up like sorry and that type of stuff they Battleship. didn't have they didn't have good components battleship yeah. might be an exception actually but most of them just have like stupid little pawns crappy boxes bad artwork just it's just junk you know yeah, just junky stuff. Like, but it's not like that. It's like uh, most of the board games today are like very high quality, and they're like there's like a high toy factor there. Yeah. So uh, I think the first thing for me, one reason I like games is because my inner child gets to come out, and it's like I get to play with toys again. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I feel the same way a lot of times when we play. Yeah, another one I had was, and this kind of goes to 
the earlier uh, point about getting together with friends, and that is, if you think about it, you learn a lot about your friends through games, right? more so than a lot of other things in life. How do they battle back from something, like face adversity, or like are they a sore loser? <laughs> you know, how do they handle winning? Are they gracious? In what areas are their brains sharp? You know, strategy, tactics, social, we've talked about those previously, the ADHD, OCD. Are they low-maintenance gamers, high-maintenance gamers? You, you, I've learned a lot about our group just from playing games, and it's all interesting and good. It's, it's stuff that you wouldn't learn in other, you know, like on a softball team or uh, just having dinner out and things like that. You, you actually learn a lot about people. Yeah, because you're interacting with them. Yeah, it's something I never considered um, until this topic came up. I, I agree. Yeah, like uh, like you said before, some of the people in our game group really game nights the only time we see them. But I do know a lot about their personalities, yeah. just because you're you're interacting with them. You're not just talking with them. Right. It's like there's more involved. There's mm-hmm. more action involved. It'd almost be like like if you went out and did like community service with someone. <laughs> Right, you, like a lot, you could learn something about them, you know, it, and and definitely we're learning like who can pay attention the most, who who's yeah. competitive, who's kind of a joker, you know, who cares, who's more strategic. Um, yeah, you know. Gaming brings out almost every aspect of your personality when you think about it. Yeah, how much of a sense of humor do you have? Yeah, you know, mood swings, things like that. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think, and it's just it just one thing that's. It's great about games, and this could be any game, right? This isn't just board games. It could be a role, role playing with a group of friends, or uh, any type of gaming with them. Uh, you definitely, because of the interactive nature of games, you're able to learn more about people than if you just were talking with them. Right. So I agree. Yep. So another one I had is that you know I like stories. I like to read. Funny story. The reason I I like to read is because I got grounded as a child one time for a week. And the only thing I was allowed to do was read. Uh-huh. And I got into reading because of that. And ever since then, I've liked stories. And uh, and I think board games, at least the types of games that I like, a bo- each board game tells a story. And kind of what I mean by that is it's not just telling a story. Like there's a, There is the narrative of the, of the game itself. And some games are better than that, at that than others. But it's also your role in the game. It's like you're a character in the story. So, for example, a game like Agricola, um, which I've grabbed because my house burned down. That's right. Um, you're like a farmer for two hours. Like, I'm not a farmer in real life. I probably wouldn't want to be a farmer. Um, but it's kind of fun. Like, for two two hours or whatever, I get to pretend I'm a farmer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun to do something like that. Or pretend you're a pirate. Or that you're leading an army into battle. It's like when when I'm picking games sometime I'm I'm thinking like what do I want to be today? Right. Do do I want to be uh leading an Egyptian army or do I want to be an alien attacking other alien races? Or you know, am I trying to colonize uh Catan? It, it's like what am I, what do I want to be? A lot of times when I'm looking at games I'm I'm thinking about like what story do I want to play out today? So the the ability to kind of interact in a story and this is again any t- any type of game, Magic the Gathering. You're a, you're a you're a, a magician. You're a wizard. Yeah. You know, 
casting spells and summoning creatures. Yeah, so the thematic aspect means a lot too. Yeah. So the the story within the game, the theme, the realm, and all that plays a part. Yeah, it's like the escapism aspect of it, I mm-hmm. guess. Like you're, I'm not Ryan the IT guy for a couple right. hours. I'm, you know, Ryan the pirate, right? Or Ryan the zombie killer, right? Or Ryan Arc. the zombie, or Ryan the werewolf. That's right. <laughs> or the spy. Yeah, no, that's that's true too. So the, I only had one more, and that was maybe a little bit similar, but not necessarily regarding the story aspect. I like game nights that leave a legacy. When we have a game night, you know, we only do it once per month, so you don't know what's going to happen. You know, what kind of stories will result from that game night? You know, is there going to be like a Bonnie esque epic moment where right. you you pull a win out of nowhere or something funny happens or uh, some classic come from behind, even a devastating loss sometimes is memorable. These things, you can't script them, but they just come up and, and they, they live on. And those are some of my favorite things about, about uh, game nights too, is you don't know when that's going to happen and at any moment it could, but you're putting yourself in a situation where it could happen. Yeah. You know where I think I see that the most is probably with role-playing. For sure, yeah. I mean, because you, re, you can, <laughs> we can just think back and talk about hilarious things that happened. But when you, when we showed up that night, we had no idea what was what was going to happen right. that night. But you know, back to board games though, that that definitely happens. Like something hilarious will happen that we'll always remember, and we didn't know that was going to happen. But like this new memory has been created because we got together and, and played a game together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. You know. And speaking of the, I guess interaction. And the story that's going to be told interaction sometimes is social interaction can be hard for people. Um, and I, I think what gaming does in general is you can get a group of completely different personalities together and they can interact socially without it being awkward because they have this common thing, which is this game they're playing together. Like if I got if I sat at a at a table with five random people from all walks of life, we would have nothing to talk about for the most part. Like finding a common ground with the five of us would be really difficult cuz I'm going to I could start talking about board games and like the guy across to me is into like Latino rap. <laughs> and it's like how are we going to have anything in common to talk about? Right. But you sit those same five people down and uh you put a game in front of them suddenly the game like anchors them together. There's something that they can all relate to that they're doing at that moment. Right. And becomes non-awkward. Yeah. It takes away the awkwardness. Um, and I think we, we've talked about survivor a lot. This is what survivor does. Yeah. They take like 18 people who are all completely different. Right. But the one common thing is this game survivor and it, and it makes them interact, but they're interacting in the con in the, in the confines of this game. And it, it keeps them together and it makes it interesting. If they weren't playing a game, just imagine what the show would be like if they weren't playing a game and they just put 15 people in a room together and you just had to sit there and watch it. They would, they would all just want to leave. It I mean, be, these, <laughs> these people have, want nothing to do with each yeah, other. It would be horrible. Right. But the game kind of brings game it together. brings it out. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the it, gaming, that's what it, it just brings them. <laughs> People together, you know, that, that may not have had any reason to be together before. Right. Like, there's a, there a story in the um, New York Times. This was a month or two ago. 
that in, no sorry is in the Wall Street Journal where they um, it was discovered that members starting members of the Green Bay Packers get together on a regular basis and play Settlers of Catan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's like if I sat in a room with guys that were on the Green Bay Packers, like would we have anything to talk about? No. But yes, we do. And what I just realized is because we both like Settlers of Catan. Right. So it's like this weird thing. Like these people that I would probably never relate to, suddenly we have something to relate to, which is a board game. Right. So I just I found that really interesting. I think a lot of people found it interesting that these guys were playing Settlers of That's Catan cool. together. Yeah, yeah it's, you could see why they do it, too, because it's a good bonding thing. I mean, these, these guys, I actually think it would be cool to hang out with football players. Maybe hockey would be more of your thing. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, the, think about it from a coaching standpoint. You're really doing team building with that because you're forcing your players to get to know each other. These guys are going to be around each other 24-7 for the season. And why not create some sort of bonding like that? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I just found that interesting. And I, and I think gaming is one of the only hobbies that can do that. Because I think gaming is such a common thing that... M- most people grew up playing games in some way, but other hobbies like fishing, like you have to like fishing. You have to like being outdoors to do fishing. Right. So it's only people that like fishing that are going to go fishing. Right. Like other hobbies don't, don't have the ability to bring like groups of people who are different together. And I think gaming has the ability to do that. Another one, which is kind of similar to uh, the component thing I mentioned, uh, but a little different is there's a whole world out there. The world of art which I have no interest in whatsoever. Okay. Like, I, it, there's nothing more boring to me than going to an art museum. Really? I would just, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, sometimes I look at artwork that it looks like someone just threw paint at something. <laughs> and it's yeah. like a priceless painting. Right. And I don't get it. And I've never, I've never really enjoyed art. Okay. Never. But board game art, I enjoy there's something about, not every artist, but there's some games that have artwork that I actually enjoy. Like? Um, like any game that has good fantasy artwork, like the game Abyss. There's a game that, that came out this year called Abyss. It has a, a, what I would call amazing artwork. It's actually one of the nominees for best artwork in a board game for the Dice Tower Awards. And to be honest, it's, it's going to get my vote because the art is phenomenal. Hmm. I actually have thought about taking photocopies of the covers of some of my games and hanging them in my game room like taking it to like kinko's mm-hmm. and getting like a print of the board game cover and hanging it up yeah but you already have the board game but it's like sideways in my shelf like i, I like it would just be cool like i like it enough that i would actually consider doing something like that okay but i would never this is what happens to me if i actually look at real art somewhere if i if i was looking at art that i kind of liked i tend to like Maybe like art that so shows some kind of scenery, maybe. Mm-hmm. That, like if I were to say I liked any kind of art, it would be something like that. But I'll look at it and I'll think to myself, I could buy that. You know, it's like $100. I could hang it on my wall. I'm probably going to get sick of looking at it in like a week. Yeah. And I paid $100 to hang it on my wall. And yeah. now it's like annoying me that it's there. <laughs> but, but board game art, I never have that problem. I. Like I well, said, board game art is very good. Some of it, I mean, they professional artists do that. Yeah, so. it's like the style of art that's in board games is actually a style of art that I enjoy. It's very thematic. It's back to the, the theme. Yeah. It's a little bit of an escape, too. Yeah, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just like, 
maybe if I knew the game better and then I saw the artwork for that game, it kind of reminds me of the, the theme of that game and I can kind of imagine that theme in my head. I don't know. There's just something about the art in board games. It's a, these artists, these artists that do these games are amazing. They really are like, they should have museums. <laughs> like if there was a board game art museum, I would go to that for sure. I, w- I would pay money to go to that because it'd be interesting. Yeah. And a lot of the CCGs, the, the card games, the art on there, those are professional artists too. And They'll sell the art on their cards yeah. at, at booths at some of the gaming conventions, and th- it's really good art. Yeah, like really good. Like the the play mats that yeah. we use, the art on there is very good. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever at Gen Con, you should definitely check out the art show there because yeah. there's a lot of those. A lot of these artists have those, like Chris was saying, and you can buy them if you're interested. And it's it's good stuff. It's it's interesting to look at. So just the fact that that board games themselves have art that I enjoy is another reason that it's a I good like one. Them. Do we? Do we? Uh, am I? Am I closing it out here? I think so. Okay, so I've got two more. The first one, and it probably this is one of the. I, I kind of save my. I would say probably my best two for last. This one is probably my best one. It's the fact that board games keep my brain sharp. You know, there's things that we do in life that are challenging, right? Like our jobs are challenging, but there comes a point where the things that you're doing aren't challenging anymore. When you've been in a certain job for long enough, it's not really challenging. It's just you're just doing the work at some point. All the challenge, all the the newness and the learning and discovery part of it is kind of over. So I need other things in my life that keep me sharp, you know, keep me on top of my game, mm-hmm. keep my brain sharp so I don't so I don't lose it, you know. I'm, I'm, that's my my worst fear is that one day I'll lose I'll lose any sharpness that I have. And and board games allow us to kind of train that part of our brain, that strategic part, the learning, the discovery part. It, it, it keeps us sharp. And this is probably why I tend to like strategic games more than thematic games, which is why I'm saying it's probably my, the best thing for me. I, the games like Dead of Winter is a great game. Like I have fun playing it, but there's not a ton of strategic thinking in that game. It's more of either bluffing or just working together to get a result that's kind of obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but then you'll have a game like Kalos where there's a lot of thinking and you have to plan ahead and it's it's kind of mentally draining. Yeah. And I love that feeling, the mentally draining part of games. I love being worn out from thinking that much. That's interesting. And I never and you would think that wouldn't be like enjoyable or relaxing. But it fills that need in me to kind of keep learning and, and keep my brain sharp, which is what I keep saying. Right, right. Because that's how I think about it. So the strategic part of games. And this is where the frustration always was with me before I discovered modern board games. And I was just stuck with the, the, the junk that you can buy at like Walmart before I discovered this hobby. I was trying to play those games and they just weren't challenging because they're just all random mostly. Right. And and it wasn't filling that it's like I had this need to to mm-hmm. play something better. And then there's games like chess out there, but I, I just hate that game. Cuz it <laughs> cuz it doesn't fill any of the other things that I just mentioned. Okay. It's just oh, I just can't stand chess. Sorry if you're a chess player. I just don't like it. You any- know that does keep your mind sharp though. I know it's but very strategic. But it doesn't have any of the other things. Okay. So it wasn't it was it could have fulfilled that part, but it wasn't enough. I guess all these together, but I was so frustrated going out and trying to find games. Like 
I found board. I found the board game hobby from like searching and searching and searching, mm-hmm. and it wasn't easy to. But when I finally played, and this is probably where why I, I love Agricola so much, because the first time I played Agricola, it like completely blew my mind. Because I, it's like I had been searching forever, and then I, I finally, like had this game that was like it was so weird that I couldn't even understand it when I read the rules. It was, mm-hmm. it was just so different from anything else that I had to watch a video on how to play it. And then I, I kind of got it. I was like, wow, this is weird. There's no, there's no dice in this game. Yeah. Like we don't roll and move our guys around. Like, like how, what do you do? Like, I remember opening the box and like looking for dice. Yeah. And, and, and when I finished that game, I was like, holy cow. It's like this whole different. It's like, it's like my, my goal had been achieved. Like I finally found it. Yeah. And so, and then you couldn't get enough. Right. Now it's like an addiction. Yeah. And like I, I do like crave playing the strategic games. Like, like right now I'm thinking, man, I really want to play Five Tribes. We've only mm. played it like twice. Yeah. And I've been bringing it, and we haven't been playing it. I'd like to try that again too. It's uh, a good game. You know, there, there's some games like that that I just, I just want to play over and over. And the, the ones that I've been tending to like lately are these st- more strategic games. So, the fact that it keeps my brain sharp, huge, huge factor for me, and why I like games. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good one. And the final, the final one that I have is, you know, the enjoyment per dollar that you get from a board game is amazing. Yeah, the ratio. Money spent to enjoyment received from that money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an absurd amount of enjoyment for the amount of money that you pay. Yeah. Because what is a game? Like 40 bucks? So that's, and it's a four-person game, right? So one game is like, Two hours of enjoyment, ten dollars per person. Mm-hmm. Just playing it one time, and every time you you play it, uh, the amount you're getting for what you paid is is more and more. So, you know, the games that get played the most have the most value. And I and I see a lot of people they'll compare buying a board game to like going out to the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, two people going out to the movies is twenty bucks. Those two people could buy a twenty dollar board game and play it fifty times. Right. And so I just think that it's a good, it's actually a good hobby for someone who's more thrifty. Now there is a caveat here, which is someone like me who buys a lot of games, but you don't have to do that. No, you could stop at 50. Yeah. And you have even, enough for your whole life. Even 40 or, yeah. or, or 30. You could. Or 20. Yeah. Or like me right around 10. Yeah. But the, there'll come a point though where it's played out. I think. Well, it depends. The, the groups that you hang with, the people that you play the games with, you can kind of diversify. And True. You know, like you and I don't need to own the same games. Right. Because we're in all the same game nights. So why, why should I buy those games unless I'm going to play them on my own? So how many plays of a particular game do you think you need to get your money's worth? Well, according to what you just said, I think maybe twice. Like once is comparable to a movie. Yeah, and movies are borderline ripoff. I mean, I still go to movies. I love movies, but you know what you get for the money is just a little bit better than like gambling, which is like the worst <laughs> thing. You know, assuming that you're not you're over time, you're not going to win. Yeah, statistically, gambling is similar to going to the movies, where you you pick a fixed amount of money, you spend a couple hours at the casino, you lose it, and then you had fun during those times, but your money's gone. It's right, similar to a movie in that sense. Games. Is better because you 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 blow forty dollars, you play the game, but then you you could do it again, assuming that you have the people and you enjoy the game. Yeah. So you will get a return on your investment there. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think most people are probably playing their games at least four or five times, hopefully. Yeah, and I think twice yeah. is probably you get your money worth, assuming it's a couple hours worth. Yeah. And, and you had fun. And it's even, it's it's almost even, to, to add more to this point, even you've played it four times, it's still sitting there. Yeah. It's not like you can sell a movie going experience well, back. Well, but in somewhere. fairness to movies, you, there is an enjoyment that you get from past movies that you've seen because you can discuss them with people that you meet. True. And, you know, have like water cooler conversations. Um, with gaming, you know, the, the joy isn't that you had that classic moment. You can't always count on that, but the joy is that you can play it again. Yeah, but it's always there. It's like a physical object that you still yeah. have. Even though you, you've maybe played it out, it's still sitting there in your shelf. Well, your games have gotten a lot. You've gotten a lot out of them because you'll just gaze at them. Yeah. So imagine the hours gazing. <laughs> That, that you can attribute to all the money that you spent. If you calculated all your games, divide it by the number. I tried to do the, that. The dollar amount, um, like 10 grand, 20 grand. No. Divide it by the number of games. <laughs> then you come up with that dollar figure. And then factor in how many, divide that by how many hours you spent in your lazy boy looking, just staring. It is a lazy boy. That's kind of funny oh, of that you course. said that. Why I, wouldn't do, it I do have a lazy boy in my room that I sit in and stir my games. Yeah, so there's enjoyment there. Yeah, that's true. So those are my reasons. I, I'm curious if, if there's something, if there's another, a reason that you love games that we haven't mentioned, go out to our guild, Guild 1990, and tell us why you love games. It could be any kind of game. Maybe you're really into role-playing or CCGs or video games even. But what is it about games that make you love them? Because you obviously love them or you wouldn't be listening to us yeah, talk about them. There's certainly a draw out there. And it's hard to believe we've covered everything. There's got to be some other, some other points out there. Definitely. So with that, the close of episode 10, we will finally be submitting our application to the Dice Tower Network. So please wish us luck. We don't know what's going to come from this, but we're going to give it the college try, which... Pretty much just means I'm going to email them and ask to be on the network. <laughs> um, but we're going to give it a shot. And again, you can join our guild. I, I need to, I'll provide an update next time of our guild count membership. I forgot to analyze that, but I think we might have creeped in to the top half. Just I know we were close. Yeah. So I an update. Pretty happy about that, but I'll, I'll give the official on that uh, next time. Okay. Uh, but. Go out to our guild, BGG Guild 1990. Go out to our website, com. Click on the Board Game Geek Guy, and it'll take you to our guild. Click the Join button, and you're in. You can post on our forums. You can read things that we've posted before. We love the communication out there. We love it when we post an episode and you guys give us feedback. Chris and I talk about all the feedback that you guys give us. Yeah, it's all good. It's awesome. Yeah, so we love anything that you guys post. Um, so let us know, you know what you thought about this episode or any others. And you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. At OOG Podcast. And you can email us at outofgamepodcast.com. Sorry, at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget our contest. Submit your questions, your segment ideas, and anything else you want to post for us. You know, any question at all. Yeah. And you'll automatically be entered in the contest to win a copy of the assigned copy of The Angriest Angel in paperback. Should I sign that too? If you like, sure. <laughs> That'd be stupid. I'm not even, nothing to do with it. You just have to make sure that when you submit your entry, you know, we, there's a lot of screen names. Make sure that you put who you want the autograph signed to. Okay. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, we want you to name our intro or our discussion topic sections. We're kind of tired of calling them that, or at least I am. Uh, or ask us a question to answer on the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in episode 11. Good night. Good night. Good night.